Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Android Central podcast. My name is Shruti Shaker. I am the managing editor here at the publication, and I have my lovely guests here, Nicholas Sutrick. Hello, good sir. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. I've got Andrew Myrick with me. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Shruti. Has anyone ever called you Andy? Yeah, that's what that's what most people call me. Oh, okay, Andy. Nope, we're not. <laughs> see, I shouldn't have said anything. Andy Griffith, live on the Android Central Podcast. Well, it's better than what I used to get called in high school. I used to get called Andy Milanakis. <laughs> if you look on the bottom of your shoe, does it say Andy? Uh, fun fact, I got my wife a ring dish that is in the shape of the boot with it with the Andy written backwards on the inside. I oh, love that you. is so You're now cute. my favorite person. Yeah. Okay, well, now now I got to introduce my second favorite person who is Jerry Hildenbrand who was now saying that he's going to call Andrew's Andy. <laughs> Hi Jerry. I'm Floyd the Barber. That's my new name. <laughs> How are you, Shruti? I'm very well. I'm excited to be back and doing another episode with you guys and we've got so many fun cool stories to talk about. Um we at Android Central have made a little few a few changes to our editorial articles, um, and I hope you're enjoying that these days because that's what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. And I'm just excited. I'm excited. So right off the bat, let's talk about our first article. Uh, so the first article I want to talk about is um, something that you wrote, Jerry. Uh, so we love that Jerry is now going to be writing so much more during the week, short, snappy, smart articles. Um, and the, one of the ones that he wrote a, a few days ago is titled the nothing phone one beta membership program is your chance to buy a really cool broken product. Sorry, nothing team. If you're listening to our podcast, <laughs> but Jerry has a few words that he has to say. Um, but essentially, you know, for $300, you can get a nothing phone one sent from the company to your door in the U.S., which previously it was not going to be sold in the U.S. Um, the phone certainly, as Jerry has written, the phone certainly seems to be worth $300. Uh, and most people who have used it think the same way. There's a catch, though. It's not designed to work with your phone carrier and never will be. Eeks, that's not good. So, Jerry, why don't you talk us through your thought process with this article and, and what you feel about this beta program? Right. Well, I mean, I think at the end, I basically say, buy this because it's really cool. Do not <laughs> buy it if you need a good, cheap, dependable phone. Right. And that's that's my thought process here is, I don't know. At first, I had this little bit of outrage going inside is, you know, this is just a, a cash grab way to try to get money from people in the United States. And maybe it still is. But they're very upfront about the fact that, look, this is not a United States version of the nothing phone, open parentheses, one closed parentheses. If you're going to name it that stupid, I'm going to say it that stupid phone. So I want to I want to ask you a question, actually. So if the fact that it's not because you say it's not designed to work with your phone carrier and never will be. What do you mean by that? Like, how can you have a phone? It's a that 5G thing. Okay. Uh, it. 5G would be kind of supported in certain areas on certain carriers if those carriers will allow it, which is not a guarantee. Uh, they probably will. You just stick your SIM card in. It will probably work unless you're Andrew because, well, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> 
Here, specifically with the Nothing phone, it supports the N41 band on T-Mobile. So you'll get 5G, but it's only with that one band. So if you're in a place that doesn't have that band on its towers, which... And what, hint, there are quite a few of them. <laughs> 600 megahertz spectrum area? Yeah, it'll fall back to LTE, but there were plenty of places I went, like in the mountains, where, you know, my Samsung phone had a signal. It, is, it was an LTE signal, not 5G, but... The Samsung phone had a signal and the Nothing phone just had a nice X, you know? Because they've repurposed a lot of the LTE into that spectrum. When right. That was part of the Sprint deal. So there are a lot of places where you're going to have no phone service whatsoever. Bingo. Okay, question to you about this this plan then. Um, like it, I mean, it seems like it would be a good thing for Nothing though, right? For In terms of marketability, in terms of getting its name out there more. Um, you know, obviously there's so much competition, but specifically in North America, we know that that split is between Apple and Samsung, Apple being number one, Samsung being number two, you know, this would be an option, a, a way for nothing to get sort of their foot in the door. To me, it's the opposite. Oh, it's a way for people to, yeah, I bought that phone from that company called nothing and it didn't work. They suck. Mm. I'm never buying a phone from them again. Mm-hmm. Most people aren't phone nerds. Remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I send a link to just some random person, hey, this is a really cool phone. And you know what? It's cheap. And this no payments, no contract. You own this phone for $299. They say, oh, that's cool. I'm going to buy it. And then it doesn't work. They're going to be mad at me. And they're going to be mad at the people that sold them that phone. Why do you think that that nothing didn't partner with a carrier to do this testing program with like i feel like you know maybe they could have worked with maybe one of the big carriers um with a bat like a, a certain amount of devices uh you know being like hey we, we're, we're thinking of doing this uh we want to work with you what are your thoughts on this like i almost feel like he they could have done that right yeah but you have to take a step back the hardware isn't compatible they would have had to build a new phone Mm, And and when I say Bill, it would have been the same phone with different radio bands enabled, Mm -hmm. which is basically that's an entirely different product. Uh, I would assume that they really tried to get a carrier to pick them up. And I'm surprised that T-Mobile wasn't willing to say, yeah, here's $500 million to help design a phone for our network. Just because T-Mobile likes these cutting edge phone geeks like us to keep talking about T-Mobile. That would have made sense to me, but it didn't happen. That's a really good point, actually, because I I feel like if there's any carrier that would have done it, it would have been T-Mobile. You know, I I don't feel like AT&T ever does anything out of the way. It just kind of has whatever everyone else has. You say that they went out on a limb once and it went in their favor huge with a <laughs> company called Apple. Right. <laughs> the one exception to the rule, yeah, yes. Right. I don't know why they haven't tried to repeat history, but they haven't. Uh yeah, T-Mobile is usually the one with the the crazy phones, right? They had they had yeah. all the what was it? Sidekick. They've had I mean, the, the Revel's not anywhere near that level well, even but, recently like the lg wing right you know that's that's just kind of t-mobile's brand i bet they have a fund somewhere that they we can just throw this money away so we can be cool probably and they, they didn't do it yeah 
I don't, it's just interesting because I, I actually, I think the phone is, is beautiful. I think it's very aesthetic. It's, um, yes, it is. So it's a very nice phone. I just, um, I'm, uh, I just, I find, I find this whole program to be a bit weird, especially if it doesn't entail, like if, if it's not going to actually work with a carrier. Well, I just, I'll, I'll come right out and say it. If it wasn't so close to Christmas and I had 300 bucks, I could find a way to just blow without my wife saying, you spend too much money. I would buy one. <laughs> Wait, because- okay. Uh, question actually about this then. Um, and again, this is coming from, from me who's based in Canada and I, I kind of, I'm aware of how things work here with the technology that comes into the country. I'm wondering if it's the same way. And I feel like I've asked this question before, but we have to, any technology, anything, whether it's a device or if it's uh, carrier related, whatever it is, it actually has to go through Health Canada to make sure that it's passing those tests. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys all remember when Samsung phones were blowing up, you know, or catching on fire or whatever. Um, you know, it all had to go through Health Canada. And so I'm wondering, does the same thing happen in the U.S.? And if it does, then I get what well, that then I assume nothing was able to get those approvals. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's FCC. That's what it's called here in the States, approval for that phone. And that the nothing phone one would be fine with, you know, Health Canada wouldn't care about it. It's not a dangerous product. And if you're in an area where it works, I, I, I'm going to probably say it works really well. But there are just too many areas where it's not going to work well and some areas where it's not going to work at all, especially in Canada. Yeah, especially because of the rural, rural rural parts of Canada, which which be uh, very problematic. Okay, I want to talk about um, if uh, Jerry, if you don't have anything else you want to add to it, but I I want to talk about speaking of carriers, um, because our very own Andrew Myrick went through hell and back trying to deal with this, but you know he's been kind of dealing with this for some time now. So he wrote an article again a few days ago titled carriers ruined my ability to switch between phones not apple and basically the whole premise of this article is about eSIMs and how the new apple iphone 14 lineup in the u.s specifically is only eSIM is or rather eSIM only and so what that means is there's no sim card um, there's no there's no functionality of that like in canada all the iphones in canada have sim cards uh, Andrew joked about that he should have asked me to send me a phone. I should have so sent him an iPhone 14 from Canada so he could not have to deal with this. But okay, I, I digress. Um, Andrew, you've been talking about the issues around eSIM for some time now um, and how challenging it is to switch from one phone to another. Talk to me or t- tell us what's what happened here and what you've been going through. Yeah, so I've had the 14 Pro Max since launch. I, I pre-ordered it when they announced it and got it on launch day and all that fun stuff. But I just wanted to switch over to the Galaxy Fold for a little while, just like I usually do whenever I, because I get bored. It just happens. I just go back and forth. But um, because of the the eSIM stuff, it's not you you can't just take the SIM card out and pop it into the Fold, even though and even though the Fold Four has eSIM. Um, or it's compatible with eSIM, you can't just switch from an iPhone to an Android phone. You can't just transfer the eSIM profile between the devices using, in my case, Verizon's app 
or even their website. <clears throat> so you have to, what it does, you can go through all the steps that you normally would if you were trying to, you know, transfer between devices through your account manager on the web until you get to that last screen where it says you have to call customer service and you can't use the Verizon's little chat bot that constantly annoys you in the bottom right of the screen that you keep having to close every time you switch to a new page. You have to f call someone or, you know, you could go to a local, uh, if you have a Verizon store near you, uh, you could go to the store, but you have to call customer service in order to actually get it transferred. The problem is my phone got stuck. My phone number got stuck. So I, because when you, you have to call them, but unless you have another phone, it's going to cut you off in the middle of the, the phone conversation with whoever, whatever representative you're going to That's talk to. So that is so ridiculous. Like it truly is baffling to me. Like, right. I just and can't. at some point you have to turn off both phones so that, you know, the eSIM profile can get transferred, whatever, however it's done. So essentially you need like a third phone really to make this yeah. whole thing possible. And it's possible. just so stupid. Like there was now I'm in a position that I have an extra SIM card. So like I wasn't without my, like without a cell phone in general, but I went almost 20, about 24 hours without my actual phone number. So what I'm hearing you say is the exact opposite of what that title says. Uh, because, you know, if you can switch from Samsung to Samsung, and I don't think anybody but Google makes eSIM phones except Samsung, and Apple has a special profile that the carrier needs to send before your device can connect, unlike any other phone that uses an eSIM grabs the profile through a standard, you know, the, the same data channels they use for SMS, which aren't data channels. That sounds like an Apple thing. So I don't, I don't know for sure whether there's a special profile. I just use that as a like phrase. It sounds like it. It does sound like it. But my problem is that not everybody, nobody outside of the tech nerds like us, is going to know that. Like mm -hmm. if my wife did it or if my, you know, we just upgraded my wife's family to iPhones for Christmas. Okay. But the difference when right. the difference there is that we did the upgrades in the store so that when they got the new phones, they just turned it on and the, everything was already transferred. Okay. So question, question to you then, Andrew, then, and, and everyone else, would this issue be more of a, um, you know, sort of pertinent to someone like you and I or Nick or anyone who uses multiple devices because your average user probably isn't switching as often as maybe one of you guys are doing. Um, but regardless of that, like, I feel like it shouldn't be this hard, no? Or maybe, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe Jerry, Jerry, you might have something to say about that. Well, the first thing, you know, what I instantly thought of is, okay, what if I bought my wife, daughter, friend, you know, mistress, whoever. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a mistress if you're listening, Oh, God, Terry, yeah. You <laughs> uh, if you bought them a new iPhone for Christmas, they open the box. The first thing they're going to want to do is make it work, and they can't. You have to wait until the day after Christmas when the Verizon store opens and go down there and have them fix it for you. That's, that's bad customer service. I have a, I have a question. And again, I think maybe Jerry, you might be the best person to respond to this, but, or, or, you know, whoever wants to, to interject, they can. So my question is what, 
If I'm not mistaken, the purpose of an eSIM is actually really helpful for people to not, um, what's the word that I'm looking for in Canada? A lot of people, when they like switch from carriers, um, there is a possibility of like someone stealing your information. That's the one. eSIM, I believe is good to prevent that, but it almost sounds like there's a lot of, a lot more issues with eSIM. Like what is the main purpose of an eSIM? I don't know. It depends on who you ask. I mean, I've actually heard people say that the purpose of an eSIM is to cut down on e-waste because the SIM cards are little plastic, which sure. I, you know, Do you think I, it's anti-competitive? In a way, it could be. Uh, and I, I, I make jokes that, you know, this is all in preparation for the iSIM where Apple controls it. I don't <laughs> think that's really the case here. What I think is Apple is using some sort of different eSIM profile, and there could be a very good reason for it. Maybe they feel what they're doing gives the user more privacy or something or another. Uh, and carriers can't or, or haven't figured out how or don't want to just make it work. I'm sure whatever Apple is using, whether it's standard or something that Apple dreamed up themselves, could be made to work automatically like the other phones that use eSIMs. I, I'm certain of that. Uh, it's, it just doesn't, and you, you really don't know who to point the finger at here. Uh, as far as the purpose of an eSIM, it's uh, convenience, I think, is probably the best uh, purpose. I, it, let's say you're flying to you know, the UK, and then you're flying to Dubai, and then you're flying to India. At the airport, you can stop all three places, scan a barcode with your phone, and have local cell service uh, with number forwarding to your main number because you have an eSIM. There's nothing to replace, nothing to do, in theory. Uh, that's not going to work with uh, an American iPhone. I, just, I don't know. I just, like, I get it. I get your point, but I read after reading... Andrew's piece and and Andrew maybe you want to elaborate on this a little, a little bit because when Andrew was writing this article um he had reached out to Verizon um and did not get a response in time for publication but actually that evening correct me if I'm wrong Andrew you were on the phone with Verizon customer care uh to try and resolve this this issue and they didn't really help you at the end of it right or did they help you I can't remember no, so they they didn't help me that night because I wasn't paying attention to the time. I was just working late and went out to go meet my wife at her job for dinner. And Verizon's customer service, the residential customer service line, closes at seven or eight o'clock. So I had to wait till that's part of why I had to wait till the next day. Fast forward to the next day, and um, level one tech support told me to reset my network connections, don't be connected to Wi-Fi or Bluetooth and all this other stuff. I, after 15 minutes on the phone, I got elevated to or 20 minutes on the phone. I got elevated to level two, level two tech support. And the first thing that the individual told me to do was turn on my Wi-Fi and make sure I'm connected to Wi-Fi. I had suggested that to level one tech support and they said, no, 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 you don't want to don't, please don't turn on your Wi-Fi. I mean, level, like this is just like a, a level of incompetency. It almost sounds like. Yeah, I imagine level one tech support is just reading from a script. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I wouldn't go so far as to say it, it's it's misinformation. I don't, I don't know if it's incompetent. I don't want to, you know, talk badly about the individual that I spoke to. Right. They're but, doing what they're course. supposed to do. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah of course. So, but like the point, the reason why I put the onus on the carriers, not so much Apple, is that the, the carriers knew this was coming. They they had to have known that Apple was going to go eSIM only in the States. And instead of making it easy, the way that we've been able to switch between phones, whether you want to input it manually through the website or sw- physically swap the phones or sw- swap the, the SIM cards, they knew this was coming and they have not still have not fixed, like made it easier and fixed the problem that there currently is. Supposedly it's coming. But I'm tired of hearing it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, and then it never shows up. So, we're, you know, we're just screwed. Part of me thinks they, they, they just want you in the store where they can sell you cases, charging cables. and Or on the phone with somebody. Else. Well, I guess, I guess the question is then, like, what do, what, what, where do we go with this? Like, do we, do we see eSense being a thing? Uh, or do we think that it came too soon with the iPhone 14? Too soon. I even wrote that. Yeah. Yeah, Jerry you did. did. You Jerry did write, did write that. that. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I think it came too soon. I think we are transitioning to, at least here in the States, eSIM only, which is fine if carriers get their shit together. So it's not, I'm not without a phone number, my phone, my personal phone number for 24 hours. The United States is the wrong place to roll out eSIM only. You do that in a place like Germany or Korea or somewhere where the government, phone carriers, and phone makers all work closely with each other, and everybody does the same thing right from the get-go. In the U.S., it's, it, you know, we're still like Tombstone, Arizona out here. But carriers just do whatever the hell they want. Right. I mean, gosh, we're still trying to get RCS implemented, for God's right. sake. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's, how many uh, years has this crap been going? That's a whole other story. Yeah, for sure. It's still related, right? It's still a standard that has been trying to push. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I do not like eSIM as the primary. I'm fine with it also being in the phone. You know, if you want to use eSIM, go ahead and do that. But I'm really against the idea of not having a physical SIM card slot in the phone. I think it's stupid. There are just too many problems with it. Not even just because, you know, maybe we could say we're early in the technology. I just mean in general, like I don't like the idea of not having the ability to pull the SIM card out and put something else in. Maybe you want to write something about that, Nick. <laughs> I think we already mm. talked about this when that yeah, we have. whole thing came up. Jerry already wrote it anyway. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So I, I suppose I could give second opinion, but you know. <laughs> the carriers have to get on board. I mean, they don't have to do anything. On, if this goes on for too long, it's going to discourage people from buying iPhones. And yeah, that's not going course. to stand. Carriers and Apple do not want But the that. question is, how many people are actually having the same issue that Andrew's having? I, I at launch, I know a lot yeah. of people yeah. did. A it was very problematic people. at who, launch. Who was it that their carrier snail mailed a barcode printed on a piece of paper for them to scan? That was all over social yeah, I, media. I don't remember who that was. I didn't so, I didn't see that one. That's how messed I up it was that. at launch. <laughs> that's real bad. But the other thing is like the I've already I had already connected my fold four to my account before through eSIM. Like it had already been there before because I got the fold four when did it come out? August? Because I got that at launch too. 
like it had already been on my account. I could select it from on like the account manager and then I still had to call anyway. It's just, it. I'm, I'm done. Very I'm off my soapbox for sure for now. Okay. Well, in terms of what Apple is doing right or wrong, I do want to talk about something else, but before we do, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. If you're like me, then your New Year's goals are to manage your budget better and save money. So that means you need Rocket Money. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com ACP. That's rocketmoney.com slash A-C-P. Rocketmoney.com slash A-C-P. Okay, <clears throat> so obviously I mentioned in, before the break, uh, you know, the things that Apple is doing right or wrong. Uh, did they get eSIM right? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I guess time will tell. Uh and whether or not other companies are going to implement a similar tactic with their phones. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, Andrew, sorry, I'm picking on you again, but you wrote some really amazing articles this it's past Andy. weekend. Yeah, Andy. Andy. <laughs> I will leave. Uh, <laughs> please don't leave. Uh, he wrote a fantastic article, another one uh, titled, how do you say it? Is it QI or Chi? Okay. Chi, okay. Chi two. We can all thank Apple for fixing wireless charging. Uh, so essentially, the article is about um, you know how Apple introduced I- uh, MagSafe in iPhone twelve wireless charging, and how in uh, during CES twenty twenty three the Wireless Power Consortium announced quote a new wireless charging standard to unify the industry under one global standard and provide enhanced convenience and efficiency for mobile devices and wearables. Um, and of course, Andrew goes into grave detail of, of why this is, you know, sort of really important, especially in the Android industry. So I will leave it to you, Andrew, tell us why you think this is so important. Because it's long, it, it, it Qi, the Qi standard has been fine for a while, but it's also been around for what, 15 years. And there hasn't been really any, major changes to it other than Apple implementing MagSafe. Uh, But being able to put your phone on a wireless charger and have it snap into place, wake up the next morning and know that it's fully charged is going to be amazing. And you're not going to have to buy these because after Apple did release MagSafe for the iPhone 12, you know, obviously Android phone makers, some tried, I think Realme did with Dart. I forget what, I think Oppo was another one. But nobody on the Android side has tried to implement anything similar. So you, but you can buy uh, these like Sony and Samsung. Did Sony do it? Did it long before Apple did it? Yeah. Well, I mean, Palm did it before anybody did it. Yep. This is not a new idea, but Apple's taking credit for it. <sighs> <Okay>. Jerry, <laughs> oh, why don't you just goodness. finish it off, buddy? <laughs> no, no, go ahead. In any case, in any case. Nobody's accepted this as a standard until this happened. Yeah, right. And it will be a standard. The, the what's it called? The power consortium, the WPC, said it'll first, first, first begin arriving later this year. 
um, quote unquote, available for the 2023 holiday season. Obviously, we don't know what phones those will be, but you can probably try and guess. I wouldn't be surprised if it's in the fold or or the flip, one or the other or both. And so. you know, I I I'm I'm an ass. I know it, and I'm I give you a hard time, Andy. But you know, I love you. Yeah. Uh, oh my god. This <laughs> in in the end, <laughs> however it happens, this is good for consumers to be able to know that it's going to be easier to wirelessly charge your phone and use it because you know having a stand-up wireless charger and trying to use your phone while it's sitting on a table sucks anybody that has one knows that that sucks i just don't like making a standard that they're going to try to force people to adhere to if they want to get their equipment certified because i'll be honest with you i like the way samsung did magnetically attached charging much better than I like the way Apple did it. That's just a small example. And what I like doesn't matter. But what if the next company comes along and does it so much better that everyone agrees, oh, this is way better. Well, too bad. You know, my issue with the, with wireless charging, it's just, it, it's that it just doesn't charge fast enough. Like I have a MagSafe charger and it sucks. I'm sorry. I, I obviously, I love Apple products. I love Google products. I love all the products. I love tech, but MagSafe sucks, dude. I don't know why. I, I truly don't know why anyone even uses it. I, I'm sorry. It sucks. I, I'll, I'll disagree with you, but I, I don't know what phone you have, but like I have the, the 14 pro max. I have so the four, I have, I have the 14 life. pro. Okay. So like my, but my battery lasts for like two days. So like How? I don't need my phone because the it's a bigger phone is bigger battery. Okay, yeah, fair, 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 fair. Yeah. Well, no. Also, I don't. I'm not the like. Uh, I'm, I think this is a habit that I picked up from my uh, husband, but we like don't. I, I in the past I used to charge my phone every single night. Like I would plug it in and then let it charge through throughout the night, even if it was like at fifty percent, I would still do it. But now I don't. I don't charge my phone ever unless it's like below 15%. Um, See, I, I do the wrong, I do the opposite and I still charge my phone every night, even if it's at 65% or whatever. Isn't that bad and for I your battery though? Not... I heard that that was bad for your battery. Well, that's the joy of wireless charging, which is, uh, you, your phone's a hundred percent all the time. You know, unless you're out somewhere yeah. with it in your pocket, yeah, because you can just leave it on the charger forever. But, but isn't that bad for your battery, battery though? Like no, in general, it shuts anymore. off. It shuts off. Plus, the iPhone does have adaptive charging. I forget what it's actually called, but it has a adapt- so it'll like it'll charge to eighty percent until like an hour before you get up, and then it'll go from eighty to one hundred percent. Right, so when you right, up, right, you right, 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 right. Okay, it'll be at one hundred percent. Yeah, wireless charging. Well, wired charging does too a little. Yeah. But wireless charging has two computers talking to each other, a little tiny subsystem in your phone and a little tiny system in the charger communicate and it makes sure it sends the right amount of charge power when it's needed. And when it's not needed, it just doesn't send any. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, I, I just think, I don't know, maybe that I'm just being glum. I just feel like wireless charging is just, no, I, I think meh. It probably works better for us because we're more used to it because we've been using wireless charging for so long. You, you, you learn some habits, uh, get a wireless charger for beside your bed and one to sit on the table 
beside the couch where you sit and one to sit on your desk where you work. Yeah, that's 30 bucks three times. But when you learn that when your phone isn't in your hand, it's on the charger, your phone will always be charged. Yeah. Unless you I mean, go out fair enough. I think it. that's something that I have to test out for myself. So maybe that's why I have the reaction that I do. But yep. And you can say that if we have to alter the way we use our products, is it really a good thing? You know, I can't argue that it's is. And that's isn't. the thing with me. You know, I have several wireless chargers kind of scattered around. I have one sitting right at my desk. And like Shruti said, because of the charging speed, I actually will typically unplug my wireless charger and plug my phone into that cord. Just just so the 20 minutes I have it on there, it goes way faster. Well, the problem is you only have it on there 20 minutes. Of course. Because that's how you like to exactly. use it. Exactly. And that's really the and issue. that's what I said you need to my, Yeah, my behavior and my habits don't work with wireless charging. So it's not necessarily a problem with the technology, although faster wireless charging is out there, and it would be nice to see that be more common. Oh, yeah. It, wireless power induction, it was, I mean, this was in the 1990s. I watched somebody cook a meal using wireless power two magnetic coils and you know it was behind a piece of glass in case it blew up but you know and it was like a microwave in 15 minutes they cooked a some sort of big piece of meat and some vegetables so there's plenty of ways to run power through you know that small yeah, area and, and oppo has like 65 watt wireless charging and stuff like this yep. this exists and it can be really fast so i I like that we're getting the MagSafe magnetic, whatever, you know, they're going to call it in there. Good, because that's the other problem I have with wireless charging is most of my wireless chargers, I put it on there and I got to like shift it, shift it. Okay, there we go. There's the sweet spot. (laughs) It happens to me all the time. And that's another reason why I don't use it because it's a pain in the butt. When I plug it in, it just plugs into the port. USB-C works, you know? (laughs) I don't have to flip it upside down four times like regular USB. True, true. So I don't know. I just, I've been really happy with USB-C and it works really well and it's really fast. And a lot of these other things, even if they are, you know, maybe more convenient if I use them properly, I still shy away from them. Now, don't say properly. You use them the way they want you to use well, them. Well, that's properly. Well, is it? proper to say you're doing it wrong i don't necessarily i mean if i'm not drinking a cup of tea without my pinky up it's not proper right so come on we got proper here (laughs) (laughs) but nick i hate the idea of saying okay put these magnets this far from the center of the coil with positive side facing outward on this piece and with negative side facing outward on the other piece and saying that's now part of the standard i hate that i absolutely hate that uh, I like the way Samsung did it using just two magnets. Yeah, that's fair. And pogo pins. That's you know Wait, it's still but that's wireless. Thing too. We we don't. They haven't finished the standard. They haven't finished the spec for it yet. So we there's going to be magnets, but we don't know how they're going to be implemented yet. So it might be that. I'm assuming it. I'm assuming it won't be because Apple's leading the charge. But we don't. It's a consortium. It's not just Apple saying, "Hey, every phone in the world that uses wireless charging." You got to switch over to Qi 2 and use our standard for round magnet or circular pattern for magnets on the back of your phone. Okay, my my bad. Saying that you should only use two magnets, dia you know diagonally opposed is part of the standard is bad 
just as bad. Let companies innovate. Make it so you properly shield the coil so magnets can be in close proximity. That's where the standards should end. I get they want every charger to work with every phone. That helps push the standard further. And I, you know, I can't disagree with that idea. I just, there needs to be chi or chi, chi, chi two, a chi two standard, and then like maybe a chi two M standard. If you want to implement the chi two M standard and incorporate magnets, this is what you have to do. If you don't want to incorporate magnetic attachment, you can still get certified using all the benefits of faster transfer and safer transfer. And that, that bugs me probably because I'm just an anal retentive nerd. Anyways, on another note, because I'm kind of I'm kind of sick of chargers. <laughs> <laughs> I ruin it. Yeah, I want to talk about uh, an article that you wrote, Jerry. Um, so the article is titled "What We Can Expect from Android Satellite Phones and Why Why We Should All Want One." I loved this article, and it actually it did really well on our on our site. Um, because I think I think people don't necessarily know exactly what a satellite phone is to begin with and what you really can use it for, uh, but especially what that means for the future. And I think, Jerry, you did a really, really good job in writing what that would mean, essentially. T- t- talk to me why you thought this was an interesting article and why you wanted to write it. Because satellite phones, I, they, they suck. I will say that first. Using one sucks. Unless it's the only way you can communicate, then they're the best thing in the world. Uh, it's because when implemented, like Android wants to implement them and Qualcomm wants to implement them, it's amazing. They will work anywhere. You could be standing at the North Pole and they'll just work. Uh, you do have to stay within the limitations of you have to hold it pointed towards the sky. And you're not going to get a reply back without holding it towards the sky and checking for a reply. That's just part of how the technology works. But what really, really struck me when I heard this news is this is so much better because, you know, yes, Apple did it. And I forget which part Global Star is that who they partnered with to, to take care of it. It's really cool for to help you when you're in an emergency. What if I'm not in an emergency and I'm, you know, in Costa Rica looking for, you know, wild birds in the jungle or something with some people from, you know, college, some some weird global trek in the middle of nowhere. Sounds like my kind of thing. And yeah, what if, what if my wife's worried that everything's okay? Well, I can just send a type in an Android Messenger or Samsung Messenger or whatever messenger I use. Just like I would send any other text. Hi, babe. I love you. Everything's going good. Hold it up to the sky. Wait 30 seconds. Done. My wife now knows everything is fine. I love her. Everything is cool. And then I'll talk to her later. That's a big, important deal when somebody is somewhere where normal communications don't exist. Yeah. And I, I, well, the thing that I was also thinking about is also like, again, you know, we were talking about it earlier in Canada. There's so many rural patches of land where, yep. you know, I, a few years ago when I was at an, a different publication, I wrote an article. It's actually one of my favorite articles I've ever written about how a Northern 
town in Quebec, uh, which is a province in Canada, uh, finally received, um, wireless or like just connection, like, like proper network connections, uh, for, for connecting. Yeah. And, and, and it, I was, I actually, and I remember writing this article because I was actually, um, I was going to go to the town and actually do the interview with the mayor of that town and actually, you know, talk about the joy that they had. And I just like our, the, the way to get to the town was you would take like a, a, a flight to a, a more popu- populated area in Quebec. And then you would take one of those um, dinky helicopters, like those, those really, really small <laughs> dinky helicopters. And I remember we were trying to get there and the weather was so bad. We actually couldn't go. We we could, I couldn't go because it was just so bad. The weather was so bad. And, um, I ended up doing the interview with, with the mayor on in, in the car, uh, of the populous place that I was living, that I was at. And, and I remember him telling me, like, I just, I could hear the joy in his voice that he actually had network connectivity. And it was, it was just like, <laughs> I, I it's something that we take so much, like we take advantage of that because we, you know, us, you know, you, me, all of, all of us who, who are in an area where it's so easy to connect to a network don't realize how hard it is for, for people who are in rural areas. And I just, I don't know, I feel like satellite phones are just the way to go. And this, this, the article that you wrote, Jerry, really resonated to me. I thought it was so fascinating. I say satellite phones. Not old school, like where you can make a phone call, but you don't want to have to use a satellite phone to make a voice call. I, in in my old job, I was on a crew and we had a satellite phone issued to us. And I've had to make a voice call on a satellite phone. And it's like using a walkie-talkie and the other person (laughs) is drunk and or high and has ADD and is watching their favorite show on TV. And they get back to you whenever they feel like getting back to you. Because you say something and then you wait and then you wait and then you wait and then the other person answers you and the whole time you're either holding an antenna that's plugged in with a wire or you've got the phone pointed up at the sky and you've got a microphone and earpiece plugged into your ear and voice calls suck on sat phones. But messaging outside of the delayed response is great. It's just like, you know, any other phone. You send a text. I'm excited to see what the future holds for, for phones like that. I also really love the way Qualcomm is doing it. And I know I'm hard on Qualcomm, but this, this, is, this is beautiful. Qualcomm put the technology in there. It's in the chip of, let's say, Samsung, because who else makes phones anymore nowadays? They buy the chip. That technology is in there. It's between Samsung, your carrier, you and the satellite company to broker out a deal, how much it's going to cost and how much you can use it. Qualcomm doesn't put any type of limitations on it. They only provide the technology. And that gives, you know, like Verizon, if you buy a new Galaxy S24, S25, whenever we're going to see this, uh, you're going to get, you know, 250 free sat messages a month for six months which if there were limitations placed on the hardware side, they wouldn't be able to do that. So we're all going to get a chance to see how it works, even if we, in the end, decide 
it's not worth paying for. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. I'm curious how, I guess, I mean, obviously the technology is very different, um, but I'm the thing that I'm thinking about the most right now is, um, you know how Apple has that new feature where you can connect with your satellite. I think it's like if you're in an emergency situation and you are not able to, or you don't have network, like, I guess, is it, it's it. It's it's the same. The satellite is the network. There is a, a transceiver and a receiver in your phone that communicates with the satellite independently from Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or cellular. It's just built to connect with that little metal thing up in space. That middle little metal thing, of course, is connected to a big, robust system that can act as a relay and get it so it can go to you know, your phone carrier so the person you're sending it to can get it as a regular message. They don't need a satellite phone to receive the message mm, or to reply. Okay, that makes sense. Interesting. Well, we love it. We'll see how, how that all works out in the future. I'm excited. Thank you, Qualcomm, for doing something cool. We really love it. Um, let's take a quick, quick blah, 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 if I can talk, let's take a quick break <laughs> and we'll be right back because I want to talk about two really uh, cool articles that Nick wrote. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. This app got investors over 13% in returns. That's right, over 13% returns. Not once, not twice, but six separate times this year. Seriously, it's true. Forbes recently covered an app called Masterworks, whose last three exits netted investors 13, 17, and 21% returns. I know it sounds unbelievable, but until you learn that contemporary art prices outpace the S&P 500, even during the bull run of the last decade, Masterworks' offerings are all SEC qualified. And with over 600,000 users, they've even sold out in less than an hour. But when you download the Masterworks app, tell them Android Central sent you and you'll unlock priority access. See important Regulation A disclosures at masterworks.com slash CD. Remember, download the Masterworks app, tell them Android Central sent you. Okay, welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, Nick, I'm going to pick on you because uh, you, I mean, yes, it's your turn. Uh, first of all, listen, I love these two articles. Like I love, love is an understatement. They were so fun to read. Uh, let's start off with the first one. Tablets suck, but the Fold 4 doesn't. Ah, love it. I love it, love it, love it. Uh, you know, honestly, when I read this article, I was, I really resonated with this because I, okay, first of all, I don't really, I didn't, I didn't really care for the, the Z Fold 4. Um, but I also don't care about tablets, but I feel like I would use a tablet more if I had a Z Fold 4. And I think that's sort of the commentary that you made during your, your article, which I loved. So tell us about that. Let's, let's see. With, with tablets, right? I've reviewed a lot of tablets. I've used a lot of tablets over the years. I remember even when the iPad first got announced, and it was like, what is the purpose of this thing, though? I mean, for most use cases and for most people, when are you actually going to use a screen that big that you're going to hold? The thing is awkward, right? It, it's sort of this 
in-between device where it's not quite a laptop, it's too big to be a phone, it's not really all that portable because you can't put it in a pocket. Like, they have their uses, but I feel like the best use for it is at a point of sale station or something at a shop where you can sign with your finger or, you know, tap the tip button or something like that. Like, to me, that's so far been the best use of a tablet I've ever seen. And I've just, I've never personally found a use for them. Um, however, that doesn't mean there aren't times when I want a big screen, right? Sometimes it's just nicer to not have it on a six-inch phone screen. Sometimes you need something a little bit bigger. And, you know, it wasn't until the Fold 3 that I finally felt like foldable phones were worth using every day. And then, of course, the Fold 4 sort of basically fixed the camera situation and a couple of other little things. And I've been using that thing since August as my daily, and I love it. I just love it. My question for you, though, about the Fold 4 and tablets in general is, what are you using it for? Because I think that was a question that I've always had. I've had I've had iPads before. I've had tablets before. But I never really got my bang for the buck. Is that the term that people use? The bang for your buck? Whatever. Yeah, I, I, I never found a real use case scenario for tablets. You know, I, I spin and at home and, um, I take classes, uh, from the studio that I do. They, they have like online courses and I, I use my phone. Like I could very well use a tablet to, to, to log in and take the classes, but I don't. I just gravitate to my phone. I just, I've never found the right use case scenario for a tablet. So I'm wondering what is your use case for a tablet? Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm the same way, right? I've, I've never, like I said, I've never really found a good time that I want to pick up a tablet and use it because number one, it's a secondary device. You're, you're already going through different motions of, oh, I got to reopen this app. I got to do whatever I was doing before. Like there's, there's, a, there's friction there of some kind, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's just grabbing the device or if there's something more within an app you've got to do. What I've found with the Fold 4 is, you know, I, I would say 70, maybe 80% of the time I'm using that small outer screen, right? Because mm-hmm. it's more or less the size of a normal phone. It's slightly narrower, but it's, it's usable for most things. And then like this morning, I was in bed reading emails and there was one that had a whole bunch of text in it. And I just opened the phone and now I can read the whole email and I don't have to like squint at it or pinch and zoom or any of that. And so there's that extra 20, 25% of the time where I'll run into something and I'll go, this needs to be a little bigger and I'll just open it. And there we go. Boom. Um, You know, the other part of the time is note taking. So I could definitely see somebody who takes a lot of notes or draws or something like that would like like a tab S8 Ultra, right? Having that big screen, the large S Pen, all that stuff. the, The Fold is kind of an in-between there because you have the same kind of thing. You have to use the big S Pen because there's not one built in. You have a bigger screen than a phone. Uh, I think for those people, that's another reason to use it because when you want to draw on it or write on it or whatever, again, you open it up, you're using the bigger screen, which is way better for drawing than a small, like S22 Ultra screen. I'm calling the S22 Ultra small, but... (laughs) No, but it it kind of reminds me like, well, because as you were talking just now, I was just kind of trying to think like, what are, who would use a tablet really or a Fold 4? Um, 
you know, whenever I think of a tablet, I think of point of sales areas, right? Like a, a person who has a shop and they, they're selling something or, um, you know, if you're at the Apple store and people are, you know, the, the, the genius bar people are checking you in, they check you in, or if you're at a hair salon, they check you in with an iPad. I get that. Um, you know, when Apple announces these iPads or whatever, they're, they're always marketing it to like graphic designers. And it's like this. And, and I'm like, how many graphic designers are there in the, in the world? Like, I don't know. But then I think about it also like, you know, my, uh, the per the place where I go to get my tattoos, like they use it for drawing and for creating things, which I, again, cool. But I almost feel like it's more business related as opposed to personal use. Like I don't, and I feel like the way you explain the fold, I'm wondering, and this is a question for everyone, do you think that we need to have more phones that are like the Fold 4? Not the Flip 4 or the Flip in general, but like the Fold. Do we do we want more phones like that? Yes. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes and no. Okay, everyone who said yes and no and whatever, explain yourselves. Well, I, I want to say that I, I I hate tablets and I'm like Shruti. I can't find the use case for them. But unlike Shruti, I have used a whole bunch of them because I had to and have always tried to find something to love about them. And the things that they do really well for me, they're just too damn big. I can use a laptop that's a little bit bigger and it'll sit on its own and I don't have to hold it in my hand. But Nick's article here, it made me remember and I know Andrew and Nick, oh, I'm sorry, Andy and Nick, well, remember the original Galaxy Tab that people hacked the phone and SMS software onto the LTE models, and it was basically a 7-inch phone. But they, they, Samsung did this, as, it was just called the, the, the Galaxy Tab, and it was a 7-inch tablet, and you could use it as a great big phone. And I loved that. I didn't use it. I didn't carry it around. I didn't count on it as my phone. I didn't even stick a SIM card in it. But because it had everything that my phone had on it, I could, when I was at home, I could, and connected to Wi-Fi, I could check email on it or do the phone things on it on a much bigger display especially for back then when you know 4.3 was a big phone and that was really cool and it was convenient and it would be super convenient now 10 years later when there's 10 more years of age on my eyes why i don't think the fold 4 is the way to do it for me the fold 4 is essentially a big phone with big phone software that has tweaks to make it even better that that part I love, that crease. Every time I've used one, all I can do is look at that goddamn crease down the middle. <laughs> and that's just never going to go away. It's a away. really ugly crease, though. It really is. It, it, for some people, other people say, I don't even notice it. And I'm sure they're telling the truth. That's going to be a personal thing. Me, my eyes get fixated on it, and I don't see anything else, and it drives me crazy. So, Nick, w when you got your review unit... Did you get a brand new unit or did you get one that was reviewed by someone else? And then, cause you know how sometimes companies, when they send review units, it'll be like something that was already used, I guess. Do you know what you had? It was a brand new one. 
Okay. So when you first got it, did you see a crease at all? Yeah, definitely. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It, Sam, so Samsung's hinge design means there will always be a crease. Whereas uh, other large foldables like are made by Oppo or some of these other companies, they don't have a crease initially. And then over time, they develop a small one. It's still always going to be smaller than, or I guess more shallow, I guess, than Samsung's crease because of just the design. I don't, I don't know what I'll say about it. Um, you know, the, those sort of develop a, a memory, I guess, of being folded because you don't use them unfolded most of the time. And for me, that's, it's kind of the beauty, right? It's like, I don't, I don't have to have this giant thing in my pocket or that doesn't fit in the pocket, right? It's still on near eight inch display. That's, you know, like, like Jerry was saying, a small tablet size, like tablets used to be effectively, right? And yeah, I don't, I just, I like having the flexibility and, and that's it. Like, I think I said in the article, there's almost never a time when the fold for is any more or less awkward or limited than I want it to be. And that's what I like about it is it just it gives me a choice. I have everything basically and I just use what I need when I need it. Yeah, I love that. I think that's really cool. Uh, I just want to touch on what Andrew was going to say before I go to the next topic, because I know you've been a huge advocate of something. I mean, you've been waiting for Google to come out with the Pixel Fold for so long. So um, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I'm in the same camp as as Nick. Um, I'm working on trying to get my hands on like one of those next stock things um, to try and basically get rid of everything, like not use anything else that I have except for the, uh, the fold, like all, all my Chromebooks or computers and everything. I just want to try and see if I can go a week just using my fold with that next stock screen. You know what? I bet you can. Probably with deck thanks I, to Dex mode, but like I want to do it. Yeah. I don't want to just like talk about it. I want to actually like experience it. I really think that between Samsung and Google, and you know, we have to be honest, Microsoft helped a lot too, even though they never made a single screen folding device yet. They worked hard on on a, a to make a folding phone good. And I think they've got the software together. Samsung software may not be your cup of tea, but you, 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 it, it works really well. And then when you add decks on top of that, I do believe you will have a complete solution that would, especially the average user who doesn't work on the internet for a living, that's all they would ever need. That'd be interesting. Like the original Duo, when it, when it came out, it was, the software was bad. Just, just oh, flat yeah. out bad. Now, I haven't been able to get my hands on a, a Duo 2 because, you know, they're sold out everywhere, including Microsoft directly, even though they claim they're not giving up on it yet. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the Duo was so bad, I turned down a free one. Yeah, I've heard the Duo 2 is so much better. And then they did the, I think they did the update to 12, 12L, and it got even better. Like Microsoft, now that they've had a couple of years under their, un, under the wings with this, it looks like they're on the right track with that. So I'm. Plus, I just want, I'm, I'm excited. I want to see what Google's going to do. I know they're going to screw it up somehow because of software. And they're going to blame developers, even though Samsung figured out ways to make it work. Huawei seems to have figured out ways to make it work. I don't remember the other ones. Xiaomi. But, you know, I, I want to see stock Android with 13, like stock Android 13 on a foldable phone. 
you know, I I predict you're gonna like the fold four better. I'm. Then, I will probably. I will. I probably will like the fold four or fold five or fold seven if if the yeah if tablet fold keeps getting delayed. But it's just, and we can just look at tablets for that answer. Uh, Pixel tablets were okay as far as tablets go. No, you know, no worse than any of the rest. Really, the only to me and to most people. The only good Android tablets worth using were ones made by Samsung that had that little bit extra in the software from Samsung. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it, I've been reading some of the stuff that Michelle from over at um, from over at Esper uh, has been posting about stuff that he's finding related to tablets, and Google's doing a lot of stuff. They're not just going to like, hey, we updated all of our apps to support you know responsive yeah. device like responsive layouts and stuff like that. They're doing stuff for an inevitable folding phone i'm yep. just worried that all of the stuff that nick and i love about having a folding phone because the software has been tweaked properly we are going to hate because google isn't yeah. going to tweak it which means that it that might be my re-entrance into the rooting community <laughs> my my guess is that it's going to go the same way the pixel watch went where samsung's watch is still a better watch I mean, it's got better features, better UI. Like, there's a lot of things about it that are just plain better. But there are certain aesthetic qualities about the Pixel Watch that make me want to use it more. And, yeah, and, and in the Pixel Fold's case, I have a feeling I'm going to go, well, I know I love the S Pen on the Fold 4, but I don't use it all that much, and the camera on the, the Pixel Fold's way better, so here I go. <laughs> And I'm going to probably end up forgetting about all the things that Samsung did to make the Fold so good and just go with the Pixel Fold camera. I know that it's very unlikely that this is going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised. I, but I also wouldn't be surprised if um, Google makes the the stylus that they're creating for the, the Pixel tablet compatible with the Pixel Fold. It's not going to be like housed and all that kind of stuff that we want from the fold with, with right. the fold I'm five fine with that i don't need a house yeah i wouldn't be surprised if it's compatible i doubt that it will be because it's a first-gen product and it's google's first-gen products right but the only one that they oh. seem to have gotten right without other than unless you pop the case open is the pixel watch we can't just compare this just to phones uh the pixel book the first one with the pen was a beautiful combination so maybe the Pixel Fold and the pen will be a beautiful color. Now, here's my question to you guys there. I also used and reviewed the Pixel Book with the pen, and it was horrible. It just didn't work right. I don't know what else to say about it. It uh -huh. straight up did not work right. Different experience than everyone else. Maybe that's an indication that Google needs to pay attention on how they make their fold foldable phone, if it ever happens, uh, to not screwed up <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never used the original pixel book other than i was at io after it was announced um I, but that was however many years ago but i i can't see them having that same problem i, I think the fold the pixel fold will be a good phone i just think that they're going to be too many trade-offs coming from somebody like you and me nick who've you know, I started with the Fold 2. I don't know when you, when your first foldable phone was, but 
for the last three years I've had a fold and I'm used to a lot of the way that it, that works. And I'm, but I'm also like you were, I just want the aesthetic that's Google's version of Android brings to the fold, like to the to phones in general. Yeah. And I tell you what, I, I don't know if I can honestly go back to Google's piece of crap task switcher. I hope to God, somebody at Google fixes that piece of garbage. I hate stock Android's task switcher. It's so bad. And on a huge foldable screen, it's even worse. I can almost guarantee that nobody at Google is worrying about it. Nobody UI. cares. I'm the only one that cares. I've been whining I've been whining about this since Android 9 and nobody's done anything about it. So no, nobody cares what I have to say. Because it's it's fully functional and that's what matters until they get everything else. Yeah, I don't know. I just okay. So long story short, TLDR: If you aren't <laughs> listening to this podcast and you're hearing it now, Google fix things. But that's basically it. Google fix things, please. Thank you. Yep. There you go. <laughs> well, the important thing though is is what's going on behind it all, and like uh, Andrew said, Michelle is really documenting. They're fixing the back end of Android at a huge, rapid pace to make it so. When foldable phones are the norm, Android is ready on day one, but maybe that means ready for Samsung to make it good. Okay, let's talk about our last article. Um, it's another really fun one. Um, it's called, and it's by Nick, it's titled, Walking Dead SNS Chapter 2 is Proof That Big Games Shouldn't Be Rushed. Now, I actually, like... I, obviously I love this article, but I actually don't care about Walking Dead at all uh, in terms of this this article. Like, I don't care about that game. But what I do care and what I loved and what I really want to talk about with everyone on this podcast, because I think we all we all play something, is this broader conversation that Nick has brought to light, which is how companies should not be rushing and releasing their games. And we saw that with a lot of games last year. Um, you know, and I think, like, I would agree with you, Nick. Like, I think, I mean, I'm not a, a gaming aficionado. Like, I'm just not. I, I play Zelda. I'm playing Red Dead Redemption right now. I'm very picky with my games. So I, I really feel like I'm the last person who should be commenting on this. But you make a very, very good point in that, um, you shouldn't be releasing games so soon if you're not ready with it, especially when your first version of a game did so well. And that's sort of what happened with Walking Dead, right? Right. And I think that was kind of what made this so confusing on release, right? Because this developer, um, when the first Walking Dead came out in early 2020, like it blew everyone's minds in the community. Nobody had any expectations of this game. And the funny thing was, there were two Walking Dead VR games that came out that year. One was by these guys who, I can't remember if this was their first game or if they just didn't have too many under their belt. The other was by a very experienced VR developer. And the one by them turned out to suck. <laughs> and oh this gosh. one, I mean, I would say a few weeks after release was basically the number one game on everybody's list. They're like, if you have a VR headset, you got to play this game. This is the best VR game ever made. Like it, they just, they went way above and beyond. So when this chapter two was coming out, which, you know, is the full sequel, it's not just a DLC or something. This is a, the, the number two game, right? When this is coming out, there were of course a lot of raised expectations. Like they had shown off the game several times beforehand. 
There were a whole lot of new mechanics, blah, blah, blah. I don't need to get into it. You get it. Um, <laughs> your parents distracted me, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, he found his way over here. I'm sorry. I'm trying to keep her quiet. Um, anyway, long story short, game came out. My gosh, it was buggy. I literally couldn't even get past the first section because it was so buggy. And I'm not the only one. There are a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of content creators, etc., that all were like, this is horrible. What the heck were they thinking? And not three weeks later, they came out with this huge patch that fixed pretty much everything. And I'm like, why didn't you guys just delay this three weeks? Why would you, why would you waste the mindshare and the time and money that they now have to, to spend to fix this problem? Okay, so, so I'm going to ask you that question and anyone else who wants to answer why. Was it because they had to launch it at a specific time to make, like, you know how some phone companies will wait until the holidays to launch? Well, that's why we have, like, fall releases, right? So it's, like, closer to back to school. It's closer to Boxing Day. It's closer, closer to the holiday season so you can get deals and stuff like that. Um I, what, what, when this game launched, like, was that, uh, an, um, I guess a factor that was, that was sort of played into, to its release or like, why, why do you think they release it sooner rather than later? That would be my guess. Yes. It came out December 1st. So, you know, holiday period. I'm sure a bunch of people just got quest twos for black Friday or, you know, a bunch were just purchased and they're going to be open on Christmas in four weeks time. So Yes, that that definitely went into it. Um, and who knows? Maybe they didn't realize they only needed three weeks to fix it, right? Maybe they were like, all right, well, we got to ship this in 2022. We're at the end. Let's just ship it and fix it later because so many games are like that these days, right? You ship what is effectively a beta version of your game. You have the gamers test it out for you and post all their problems on Twitter. And then you, well, there you go. You've got, you got all your bug reports, you get all your stuff, you go in and fix it and whatever. Do you think part of it has to also do with budgets and financing? Because, you know, maybe you get a certain amount of money for, for creating a game and you need to deliver that content. And oh, don't, don't edit this out. Please do not edit this out. <laughs> so good i'm running out of cheerios we yes. need to keep we need the parrot in the podcast it can't be deleted out <laughs> so I, it, she, she wants cheerios i don't have them to give her so she screams help no. that's what it's she was incredible. screaming and, you know i have had she was outside and did that once and somebody called the police oh my god because it sounds like a little kid screaming oh. help. <laughs> it does it's terrible <laughs> Oh my god, have you guys ever seen? So, so one of my close friends sent me a video of pugs getting their nails clipped. Have you ever seen a pug getting their nail clipped? They they're they actually scream yes, like they scream. I have seen it's this. So oh, it's so funny. I feel so bad for them, but it's so funny. I don't I don't know that it actually hurts. <laughs> no, it probably doesn't, but it's just hilarious to see. Anyways, I digress. Okay, sorry. My my point was does it have to do with budgets? <laughs> I think individual scenarios are, are at play here. But yeah, like if you look back at Cyberpunk, right? Cyberpunk yeah. was delayed three major times. And eventually they just had to release it on PS4 and Xbox One. And it was just a disaster and a half, right? It was awful. Terrible, terrible 
representation of what the final game was and should have been. But a lot of that was because they had company shareholders and a lot of these other people saying, we want our money. You guys got to release it so we can make our mm-hmm. money. It's time. Mm-hmm. Just just release it. Yes. People need to remember that game publishers and game studios are always two different. Sure. The, the, I guess the other question, I guess a follow-up to that is, what allows someone like Nintendo, I mean, obviously Nintendo is a massive company, um, to delay Zelda Part 2, for example, versus Cyberpunk um, being pushed to release its game? Um because of investors, like you could, you could say, I mean, I, I don't want to say they're the same company. Like it's not, it's not, it's not apples to apples. They're two different companies, two different budgets, two different reputations, but similar scenarios, right? Like you, I think in, in that particular case, it's because it's Nintendo. They can, mm-hmm. they can yep. do their own thing. They're like Apple, right? They're on their own timeline. Everybody else is irrelevant to them. They release it when it's done and ready. Right. and. And and millions and millions and millions of people will buy it no matter what time right. of year. It whereas is. every time of the year is Christmas. Right. Yeah. Nintendo. Whereas you know CD Projekt Red and whoever their financial backers were for that particular game were not Nintendo, and they could not afford to just you know oh well we'll just let our you know our next little Mario Party release or whatever make up the the budget shortfall that your game was supposed to make us. It'll be fine. There is no second release. <laughs> Another big part of the wider problem is this isn't really new and they got away with it for so long. You know, look at uh, Skyrim as an example. Man, that game was broken for a couple years, but it wasn't terribly broken like Cyberpunk 2077 was. So people were okay. It was a meme on the internet, but people still bought it and people were still generally happy. That gives them incentive the next time to release a game that might be even more buggier because they think, well, people will buy it anyway. Right. And especially in Bethesda's case, it it became a meme that all Bethesda games are broken and therefore you had to mod them to make it the proper experience. So it was. Yikes. Which is completely not true. But because a couple of them were terribly broken. It just. That's just how it is. Exactly. Um. Now, something I pointed out that I thought was interesting, right? So Cyberpunk, when it released, they released it on the old hardware first. And that seemed to be the problem there because when it came out just a few months later on next-gen hardware and the inevitable patches came through and fixed the game, it was fine, basically, right? It was a better experience. Way better, way better experience, Mm -hmm. right? Better, I'll agree with. Fine, I'll disagree with. On the PlayStation 5, it sucked. Upcoming... Next month is Hogwarts Legacy, which is oh right, my gosh, right now. I'm so excited! Yes, for that. I can't wait. But it's it's the most anticipated game period right now, and any chart you look at, it's number one by far. Wow! Yep. They wow. are releasing this on next gen systems first, yes, and then yes. PS4, Xbox One, Switch a few months down the road, which I think is the best way to do this because you're going to develop for these systems first. You're going to work out all the bugs and all the stuff, and then you're going to have to change things and scale things down to fit on these other systems. So good. I'm glad they're not releasing all of them at the same time. That I think this is a more tenable way to do this stuff. Yeah, I just, again, I love this article mainly because of that broad picture story 
that you you sort of outlined. And I think a lot of people don't think about that necessarily unless you're in the gaming community, which a lot of people might not necessarily be part of. Anyways, on that note, um, if no one else has anything else they want to talk about, I want to get to my favorite part, which is the things that made us happy this past week. Okay, who wants to go first? It's snowing outside, and that's my answer. Okay, that's good. It's, I love that. It's not that. cold enough to stick yet. It's supposed to happen tonight. But um, it's been nice to just sit at my dining room table and watch the snowfall all day. I freaking love Aww, it. So I love that. Finally, that's nice. finally. Oh, my answer be that it stops snowing finally? My answer can is going to be that it stops. Oh, snowing. good. Ah, so well, do you, do you mean, have a bunch? I hate snow. No, that's not my answer. I'm just, no, none of it's stuck. Uh, I mean, it's, it's 45, 46 degrees yeah, out there. It's, it's low forties here right now. It's, it's not, it's, yeah. it's, it's go. It's, oh my gosh, I can't even speak. It's Look, podcast is done. I'm done. Because we're, <laughs> we're mountaineers. <Nate. laughs> okay. Uh, Andrew and, or Jerry, I don't know, Jerry, if you, if you actually meant it, that you. No, I mean, I, I've got a, a realistic one. I just was commenting with Nick. Okay. I, I'm already talking. Man, food dehydrators are cool. <laughs> Any of you all got a food dehydrator? No, but it sounds really cool. Man, you put apples, bananas. You can even make homemade beef jerky out of hamburger. Uh, I had no idea. I, I got one over the holidays and didn't do anything with it until earlier this week. And, I mean, it's filthy because I don't leave it unplugged long enough to wash it. It's It's just always got chunks of fruit and you can dehydrate almost anything i tried dehydrating a soft pretzel oh my god it works oh my it makes gosh. it into a, a little hard pretzel that you never want to eat <laughs> but i just maybe i'm dumb maybe i'm out of touch but i had no idea that you could do anything except like make granola or some sort of nasty food with one of these things no that sounds really cool though that sounds can you cool. make space ice cream because i love that crap What's space ice cream? Uh, you know, it's it's uh, is it freeze dried ice cream? I'll look it up real quick. Hold on. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I, I don't think it can dehydrate that much. Uh, but there's one way to find out. <laughs> Try it out. Yes, it's yep, freeze dried. Stick a ice cream in a dish. This, oh, then no, it's this, not. This is one work. of those things. Like, okay, I grew up in Florida for the most part, and whenever we'd go to Kennedy Space Center, I'd get my package of space mm. ice cream because I loved the crap. In the little foil yeah, pouch. That's great. Yep. You just pop it in your mouth and it melts. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's like this really concentrated ice cream flavor because it's, it's freeze dried. You know, all the liquid's been taken out. So it's literally a little brick of ice cream concentrate. <laughs> that sounds it's amazing. fantastic. Though. I love I it. Now. <laughs> Did you mix it with water and reconstitute it or were you like me? And oh, just no, I just it. took a bite. It's great. Let it melt in your mouth. Let it, let yeah. it just fizzle on your tongue. It's yeah, fantastic. It's amazing. Oh my but gosh. You, you can mix water with it and it. it Why would you do know, that? It's more like ice milk <laughs> than ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> it, but, but yeah, there's floor idiots reminiscing yeah. here. Sorry, <laughs> but hey, it, it's really cool. I, I didn't know. I guess I just never realized how stuff like banana chips were made. Uh, it doesn't work with real thin slices of potatoes. You can't make potato chips. Uh, it makes just this weird thing that you don't want to eat if you leave it in there way too long. But for fruit, and my favorite thing now is beef jerky. Right now I'm cooking beef jerky that is just raw hamburger with a little bit of lamb. And I bought the cheap hamburger that's got 
extra fat in it so it will render and you know it's making a mess at the bottom of my dehydrator and a jar of a bottle of louisiana hot sauce all mixed together and you you put it in this thing that looks like a caulk gun and you spread out these little thin strips of beef and it dehydrates them down and you have beef jerky and i can't wait for it here's one that i would recommend and then i'll shut up um get some cherry tomatoes cut them in half put them in there so they dry Mm -hmm. out right they turn into like sun-dried tomato looking things and then you put them in some pasta with some pesto and some like you know you get like a mozzarella ball and you cut it into little bits oh my gosh it's that's just don't, don't put. We're having homemade Alfredo tonight, and I should have done that don't, yesterday. Where don't were put you, too Nick? many tomatoes in though, because they really get super sweet when you dry them like that. I I don't know why. It's just part of the thing, but it it it's almost overpowering. All right, I'll shut up. See you later. <laughs> well, we. Gonna, I guys, we gonna I gotta out. have pasta for dinner then. Now, now that I think about it. <laughs> okay, Andrew, your turn. I don't know. Cool. I've been sitting here thinking, and I I I'm happy that we have a three day weekend. Oh yeah, well that's that's oh, fun. That's, right that's good, dude. That's the best of all of them. I, I I'll take that back. I, I did think of one. So I've got a I've got a friend who lives up in Baltimore. He's part of uh he's been around for a while. He's part of my um the fantasy football league that I the the commissioner for. And I've got another buddy who lives in Florida, who I went to visit at the end of December. Um, but we were all playing Call of Duty Warzone, and the friend from Baltimore and the and myself have xboxes but the buddy who lives in in florida has a ps4 and i'm just happy and grateful that these companies are starting to actually take uh cross-platform seriously oh that's nice agreed that's really nice yeah i like that that's nice that's okay you hear that blizzard yeah Yeah. hogwarts legacy I'm, i'm also excited um Hogwarts legacy devs on Twitter confirmed that the, uh, the game's going to be verified for the steam deck. I was told to buy it on PC as opposed to PS. So yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to pirate it and see how it is. <laughs> and if it's good, yeah, it's, I'll buy well, it. That's fine. I, I don't care. I'm not afraid to spend yeah, games. game. Game companies ought to but, offer uh, demos I, anyway, whatever. Right. I'm, I'm not a big Harry Potter fan, but the gameplay looks kind of yes. interesting. Gameplay so looks sick. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tour in it and see how it plays. And if it's good, I'll buy it that night. Uh, okay, for me, um, staying on the gaming theme, I recently started playing Red Dead Redemption 2. I've been, I'm a really, really picky gamer. Unfortunately, it's not a good thing at all. Uh, I, I, I don't know why. I think, I, I mean, like I played Zelda and I think that sort of just, stuck and it's it's been really hard to find games that are that I get the same feeling that I got when I played Zelda uh Breath of the Wild um I think the next That's cuz no game is as good as Breath like, of the Wild it's okay. Well uh, yeah. None of them even come close. It's yeah. fine. It's, it's all right. So it's it's hard. It's uh, I feel really like I I think I like annoy a lot of people when I talk about my incessant obsession for Zelda, <laughs> I think I'm going to, I have a feeling I'm like, I think I'm going to play it for the fourth time from start to finish. Um, before the, the release of the second breath of the wild, but anyways, I digress. So I, yeah, I've been having trouble finding a game that I get the same feeling. Um, the last time I s- s- kind of like not even close to kind of, but like kind of had the feeling was when I played, um, ghost of Tsushima. I loved that game. It 
like that, I just, I loved it so much. And then I was recently told maybe I should try Red Dead Redemption 2. And initially I was like, "Eh," but I'm like, I've I've gotten far enough in the game now, which is not that far, (laughs) but I'm like enjoying it. And it's, it's, it's exciting. So I'm excited to, to keep playing it and, um, see. You need to buy the cheap copy of Skyrim from Steam. Okay, so I Don't have buy all the add-ons or all the other crap. No, no, no. But I, I have played Skyrim and I, I didn't like it. But I, I think I, I think the reason why I didn't like it was because I played it on my Switch, and I. Oh well, that would make you hate everything. Yeah, yeah. So um, now that I have a PC, I might re-download it. Uh, we'll see. But um, I, I want to play the skirt, the game that you're talking about, Jerry. Uh, Rimworld is that what it's called? Yes. Yes. So yes. Organ farm, child slavery, <laughs> child soldier. <laughs> Every simulation time. game. That's right. I love that game. <laughs> I, and it's because I can do things that would just get me hung. In the yeah. yeah. Anyways, it's just a computer. I, I need. I bad. need to download that game and try it out. But anyways, the point is, yeah. Um, excited about that game and yeah that's what made me happy and, this past and twitter week. tells me that todd howard is trending which is all this podcast's fault so thank you <laughs> uh okay so um on that note thank you so much for taking the time and listening to us um whether it's in the morning afternoon or night we really really appreciate all of you guys so much thank you so much for taking the time and we'll catch you guys next week Bye. See ya. Adios. Bye.